Hello, welcome to The Lore You Know, a show where we chat with some amazing human beings who are storytellers, story collectors, and folklorists as we discuss the history of, importance behind, and importance of recording and sharing regional tales. Today, I am with uh, director of Werewolves on Earth, which I hope you've all watched by now, uh, by director Ward Heine. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm excited for everyone to I guess when this airs to have seen it, I'm excited to see what people think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that they're going to love it. Um, I watched it yesterday and was super thrilled with the way that it turned out. Um, and I think having some behind the scenes stuff added to the excitement for it, of course, but uh, yeah. So my first question for you um, is for you to kind of establish who you are aside from director of werewolves on earth how did you get into this world exactly um we, how weird of a version do you want so um, I, the weirdest version <laughs> um so i i suppose probably like a lot of people um the the covid years were uh a bit of a uh, not a, like a red pilly moment but like a moment where i started to reconsider a lot of the narratives that i had kind of accepted um growing up and uh about the same time i ran into um tom o'neill i believe is the author of the book about uh, manson and mk ultra which is, seems like unrelated and i guess kind of is um but I ran into that book and then uh, the experiences of Ray Boucher as reported by Nick Redfern, um, who had an experience where he was the state director of MUFON in Nebraska and was approached by a couple of uh, gentlemen that um, said they were from different alphabet agencies. And uh, it has to do with UFOs and government cover up of that and engagement with um, non-human entities. And so, I found Ray Bechet like strikingly credible. And um, I also, like, I guess I was pretty naive about this. I didn't realize that a lot of the like MK Ultra and um, various of those things were more than just like movie storylines. I didn't know that that was a real public record kind of thing. And so uh, that had me reconsidering a lot of stuff and a lot of things. Um, I was unwilling to dismiss as readily as I was prior. At the same time, uh, I came across Hellier, which is uh, like a paranormal uh, documentary series that had kind of taken the paranormal world by storm about some high strangeness in Eastern Kentucky. Um, and at the time I knew a friend who had planted a church, maybe 40 minutes to an hour from where the events in Hellier take place. And uh, in like Southern West Virginia, and I had asked him, just being down there, if he had um, ever seen anything weird. And he, <laughs> that led into what became uh, my first uh, paranormal documentary series uh, called Dark Holler. And that was, uh, I was originally just going to be like a short little 10 minute thing for YouTube. Um, and it turned into like five episodes of um, increasingly strange stuff. Um, so that connects to like Mothman sort of possibly and uh, basically uh, all kinds of weird metaphysical spiritual stuff in Appalachia. And um, yeah, so that led me to, uh, I ran into Tony Merkel uh, through that who runs the Confessionals podcast. And uh, we sort of made a deal that I would go, um, hunt dog man with him uh, in Kentucky <laughs> if he would um you know interview me on his uh podcast and kind of promote dark holler and it turned out that that trip to kentucky um produced something that everyone was pretty happy with and so we've done a couple of those since um one out to close to skinwalker ranch there's a property that's adjacent to it that we went to um uh that'll come out soon it's called shape of shadows and then we did um i don't think i'm allowed to talk about the other two but there's a couple other trips that are coming out and then 
I ran into Seth, I think. Um, oh, it was Mothman. Uh, we, I was at Mothman Festival um, just because I wanted to witness it. And uh, we <laughs> came by the, uh, the booth. And I don't know. I think you were there and Seth and mm -hmm. a couple other people. I think Zach yeah. and Courtney. Mm -hmm. And um, I introduced myself. And somehow I think Seth had like heard obliquely of dark holler or something yeah. um but yeah i uh i had reached out to him and we had coffee and he was like um you know do you want to i've got these witnesses in pennsylvania to werewolf but the stories are kind of strange and um it was a little bit i think the subject is even uh more than Sasquatch, I think the subject is uh, touches on the metaphysical and the spiritual more than um, a lot of Sasquatch stuff does. And so it seemed like it was kind of right up um, our alley. And so uh, I, we, that's how Werewolves Unearthed came to be. Yeah, that's awesome. When talking about when you started with Dark Holler and being interested after Hellier, are you from that region or is this something that you came into later? Yeah. So Dark Holler, the events of it, I, I actually, I didn't realize this until uh, well after I'd interviewed sort of the, the main girl, um, Kristen. Um, she had lived in an apartment that I passed uh, growing up. I mean, I lived like two miles from it and I passed it like, routinely um and she had a lot of strange things happen there um so yeah i'm from about maybe 40 minutes north of logan and logan is maybe 40 minutes to an hour northeast of uh hellier mm -hmm. that's awesome that's it so growing up did you hear about any of these stories prior to i mean mothman right you had to have heard of mothman growing up <laughs> yeah yeah definitely i was um I do remember as a kid being sort of fascinated by that idea and having gone like driven through Point Pleasant. Um, yeah, just kind of fascinated. I didn't know all of, I mean, I wasn't aware of what men in black were. I wasn't aware of injured cold and any of the, the sort of the greater mythos around uh, the Mothman flap. Um, but yeah, we were aware of it. Um, and also I sort of, I, probably like most people my age or older. And as I, as I get older, that bracket, uh, <laughs> anyway, the, um, probably saw, you know, something on the sci-fi network or discovery or, uh, the old, like Leonard Nimoy, um, in search of, I think was the name of it that, uh, yeah. talked about Bigfoot and Sasquatch. And I think like my dad always thought it was possible. Um, and I remember, I remember that as a kid. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I had some some interaction with it, but uh, largely just kind of just, you know, the, put it in the same category you would put any urban legend folklore thing in. Sure. Sure. When did you get involved with filmmaking specifically? Uh, I, <laughs> I, I dropped out of high school, which I don't recommend. Um, because I had broken up with a girl and I didn't want to be in that town anymore. And uh, I ended up moving to upstate New York and working at a summer camp for one summer and then um, went to school there. And then on the promise that I would get a GED, which I did later. And uh, anyway, one of the people there saw that at the time I was big in like um, uh, hardcore punk. And so I, dressed in a way that indicated that and someone who was also into that was doing video uh work at the summer camp mm -hmm. and uh, they said hey this kid uh we'll hand him a camera and basically i ended up making summer camp videos um i was 18 at the time and that's 18 years ago so um yeah i've spent a lot of time with uh camera in hand um running around doing low budget stuff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I only, um, just, I only just recently had my first director of photography 
gig on like a feature film. So it's been a long, mostly micro budget stuff. Yeah. What, what was something that you learned as director of photography that kind of stood out? Uh, there's a lot. That's an interesting question. Um, there's a lot more, there's a lot of planning and dealing with people that goes into that job um, and sort of fighting for and advocating for the, the visuals that you know will tell the story best. Um, sometimes the, because that is your job, your job is to translate the story into the visual medium. And um, a lot of times a director may not, I don't know, may not share that bent. I mean, I think that the best directors do like, I mean, mm -hmm. Michael Mann, uh, I adore. And I think that, you know, he's very close to, you know, he's, he's very involved in the, the visual um, element of the storytelling. Um, but he also works with the same director of photography over and over again. So maybe it's that guy. I don't know. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that was the big thing that I, that I took away from it is you kind of have to fight and advocate for um, the way that you know, the story ought to be told visually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what, <clears throat> Of all of the cryptids, is it just because you started with Tony that you started on the werewolves path or like, is that what kind of started you on this? Or have you always kind of thought there was more interest in that over, like you said, Bigfoot, it's more of a metaphysical thing, more spiritual thing with, uh, with Dogman and werewolves, but like, why, why werewolves unearthed instead of something else unearthed? Well, the first answer is that uh, that's what Seth wanted me to do. <laughs> uh, I initially was really interested in um, the Bigfoot Project property. And I think that all I wanted to do was uh, come hang out and shoot some stuff for you guys for Bigfoot Project. And I was going to because I live now close to uh, close to Minerva and yeah. um that was all I thought I was going to do. Um, but the idea of, I think I'm very, I'm heavily influenced by um, probably two, um, two streams of thought when it comes to this strange stuff. Uh, one is uh, John Keel and the sort of um, like unified theory of the paranormal. And his take was, that most if not all of the things that we think of as paranormal or cryptid are masks or manifestations that are worn by uh, a similar or the same thing um, and that um, an element of it just uh, enjoys deception just enjoys being a trickster entity that um, likes taking up people's time and uh, drawing attention to itself. So that's one stream. And the other is uh, Michael Heiser, who I know, uh, Mark Matsky, who works with you guys is a big fan of. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that um, most of these things are connected. So uh, and all of them, I think. Well, let's just say I, th I think that reality um, is we tend to think of the really real as physical and then the spiritual as ethereal or removed from the physical. Mm -hmm. um, I think that they're integrated more closely than we tend to, to think of them. I, um, I think that spiritual things can manifest physically and that uh, we, of course, I believe have uh, existence in the, in the spiritual realm as well. So um I think that all of, you know, I, in viewing reality that way, without this sharp divorce between what is spiritual and what is physical, um, allows for more possibility in entertaining these stories uh, that people have without relegating them to this person's lying or simply mistaken or on drugs, which I don't deny happens. Yeah. But... I mean, the, the whole, I think because my whole um, 
trajectory here was set by encountering someone who was very credible with an incredible story. Um, I think that shapes and perhaps makes me more willing to look at things that seem less plausible, right? I mean, I don't think anybody, well, some people may, but I don't think very many people uh, view Dogman or Werewolf as if there's, you know, a breeding population of upright walking canids uh, hiding in the woods. I mean, maybe, maybe they do, but I think um, there's all kinds of reasons that that's highly implausible. Um, get like the sightings don't fluctuate with um, deer population rising and falling where they should like a year later, if the deer population goes up, you should have a rash of uh, sightings of things if we're just talking about an animal. So yeah, that's somewhat far afield. I don't know if that answers your question, but um, it does. I think that's why, it, because I think it's all sort of connected. And I also think that kind of my um, calling with this stuff or my passion for it uh, has to do with, um, I mean, I'm Christian and it has to do with, uh, diving into these things and from my worldview, not because, because I don't think that anyone can escape their worldview and we all have, mm -hmm. um, I don't think I could do it another way if I wanted to. Um, but yeah, so that, I don't know. Does that answer the question? Yes. Yeah, it does. So through this work, are you finding some answers? Um, are things becoming a little clearer? Are you feeling, um, stronger in your faith, even as you go through this? Yeah, I think that there's uh, the pattern, there's a pattern that repeats itself um, mm -hmm. with many, many of these phenomena from UFO, alien, um, abductee stuff to encounters with, I mean, you'll see in the film there, um, it's very much the same pattern that the uh the celts talked about with the fey it's the same pattern um or the dwatha didanan if i'm pronouncing that correctly um and it's the same pattern with alien abduction today it's the same pattern um what i was getting you'll see in the film there's this couple that we interviewed toward the end who i think were some of the best witnesses particularly because there were two of them that had not exactly the same story, uh, not a practice story, but a story that was the same um, of experiencing having seen this thing. And I think that um, the experience of having seen uh, this werewolf or dog man had shaken them both in ways that were uniquely personal to them and had sort of, um, you know, it serves as a transformational moment for both in both of their lives. You know, now uh, things are not the way they were before. Their world is different than it was before, and they have to wrestle with that. And we talked a lot. I mean, we talked off camera a good bit as well um, yeah. about what that wrestling looks like. But uh, if you look at the the pattern of, you know, the fae whether it's lights or whether it's the sound of a woman or a baby crying, they call you out into the wilderness and then, um, you know, you are essentially lost. And it's similar with the, a lot of the missing 411 stories. Um, and there's a similar thing that happens if you, if you take that pattern and, and you don't just view it as literal, but as a, an archetype for something that happens to a person, a lot of that happens with, alien, Bigfoot, uh, the werewolf thing. Um, you have an experience that's you can't explain. And the promise of knowing more, right? The promise of seeing what it is, of maybe capturing some evidence is always out there uh, calling you into the wilderness. And um, yeah, I think that that connects as well with the Keelian idea of that trickster entity um, you know, it, I think it'll always call. And so, uh, yeah, I, 
I guess the, the question was, has that challenged uh, my faith or, or changed? Um, I think that it has in that um, I understand uh, myself to be doing something that I think has uh, legitimate spiritual value, um, which sounds laughable <laughs> for like you're going out and looking for a dog man in the woods or whatever. But I think um, what I want to do is serve as a challenge to two different camps of people. Um, I want to serve as a challenge to people that may share something like my faith um, that you know, these things are real and um, people or people genuinely experience them. Right. And uh, we need to um, engage with that and not sort of like uh, dismiss it. And then as a challenge to others outside my faith tradition um, to look at uh, what sort of explanatory scope and power um the mm -hmm. christian worldview offers um mm -hmm. of these experiences so um yeah I, that i hope that answers that question it did no it's amazing i love hearing that this is a it's a spiritual journey for you to to be here and work in this field and i think there's a lot to be learned from that so i'm glad that you're that you're here have you had any personal experiences um, while out and about, or is a lot of your experiences like secondhand through the witnesses and that's enough to, to validate some things? Uh, I've had, yeah, every project that I've worked on, I've had some personal experience, um, I would say. Do you want to hear about a cryptid related one or do you want to hear about like a, like a paranormal one? Uh, well, I mean, I am personally excited about paranormal stuff. Uh, so let's go with that one. <laughs> okay. So, um, there was a lot of stuff with, uh, dark holler that was very strange. Um, I think if I was going to highlight like one particular experience, um, we had, throughout the course of the week of shooting and kind of like diving into it. And I shot some stuff after, but the week of like primary shooting and interviewing people and finding out like what the situation, the story was, um, we had started through various uh, synchronicities and then taking the, the synchronicities that we seemed to be experiencing and looking for uh, looking to make sense of them in light of, um, again, in light of our faith, in light of scripture and, and all of it, uh, we had come to the conclusion that apparently whatever this thing was that had circled around this girl um, and her family for two or three generations was behaving according to an archetype that was identified uh, in scripture as well as uh, in the Epic of Gilgamesh and a bunch of ancient um, uh, Near East stuff. Um, and that entity is the Lilith, uh, which is, comes to be named by like Wiccans as the proper uh, noun Lilith, the proper like um, feminine divine deity. Mm -hmm. But uh, initially, like in the Epic of Gilgamesh and, and scripture and the, the oldest text that we have, this is a classification of entity. It's a type of thing, not a proper name. Right thing and so um we had come to associate uh, a lot of the things that we saw and a lot of the things that kristen and her family had seen with this entity there were owls and birds of uh like carrion eating birds and uh several things moons and uh, lots of symbolism that was attached to this thing that uh kept popping up in ways that were um synchronistic. And so toward the end, we had gone to uh, this house that Kristen's uh, mother had lived in when she was younger. That was uh, at one time a funeral home. And uh, she had experienced a lot of strange stuff in the house. 
but we went uh, and we talked to the people there and the people there had experienced a lot of the same stuff that without being prompted had experienced a lot of like uniquely strange behavior that uh, Kristen's mother had also experienced. So the man of the house had been pushed down the steps, which was a thing that happened to Kristen's grandfather. Um, they reported the same sort of noises upstairs, something sitting on the bed with them. The same rooms were weird. Um, but we get back from doing all that and that house was like incredibly chaotic and um, it just, it felt strange. And there was, there was a lot of strange stuff that happened with the tech, like the gear um, and in that house that um, didn't even make the show just because it was too weird to, but uh, anyway, we get back and um, we're having a conversation and I, Kristen wanted to show me uh, the tattoos on her arm. She had a bunch of tattoos that also related to worship of uh, what she knew as Lilith at the time. Um, and so she went upstairs to change and uh, into a short sleeve shirt and she came back down and it was maybe four or five minutes, I think, from when she came down until um, I shot the tattoos and I was putting the camera gear away and I heard uh, over my left shoulder, like in a hallway, someone scream. And over the course of the week, it was like, every time I put the camera away, something would happen. Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, here we go again. Uh, I slapped <laughs> the camera back together real quick and ran around the corner and out of a light socket uh, in the hallway, there was water pouring out onto the floor and it was pooled in the floor, maybe half an inch, an inch deep a lot of water. And yeah. um, so we ran upstairs. As we ran upstairs, one of the doors uh, to a room that like everyone's kids were hanging out in, that door slammed. Um, and the kids said they didn't do it and we certainly didn't do it. And there was no windows open or anything. Mm -hmm. So anyway, door slams, we run down to the end of the hall and turn and in their master bathroom, there's water, like a ton of water in the floor um like inches deep with no source of the water there's no leak happening there's no water is not on mm -hmm. um they we eventually like after looking um there was no leak in the toilet or anything i think uh derek who lived there turned the water off to the toilet as a precaution but when he turned yeah. it back on there was no leak um, anywhere in that bathroom, but there was enough water that it was standing like a couple inches deep in the floor, running down through the first floor, coming out lights. It had gone run down through floor joists and was coming out the siding. Actually, you could walk, see outside water coming down the siding. Um, and it was very, I don't know. It was just very strange. There was no, um, plausible source for it in the, I think it's been three years since that event. They haven't, nothing has leaked in the house. Um, so yeah, it was just suddenly within four to five minutes of Christian changing in order to talk about the defeat of this entity that she had inscribed on her arm, like symbols to, the house had flooded with no source of water Right. And uh, yeah, that was that was kind of my introduction to uh, paranormal stuff actually happening. So um, that's quite an introduction. Yeah, it was it was strange. Um, it was strange. Um, were you the only one to hear the yell or did everybody hear the scream? Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was uh, the woman who lived there having. Oh, OK. And seen the water pouring. out. OK. Sorry. All right, good. Yeah, no, no, I no, thought no, it was no. like a disembodied scream. No. <laughs> no. It was very much embodied. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so one thing that I think is unique, well, I know is unique to Werewolves on Earth is that you you came about this in um in a little different way. It's not just your narrative for 
for werewolves on earth you actually brought a friend along um who is a skeptic a self-proclaimed skeptic um and i'm wondering two things one uh why did you go that approach and two did that ever cause any issues um to have someone that was uh, more opposite than you or do you guys kind of get along pretty much you know you accept each other's views and that's it yeah so that's a really good question um why did i do it uh yeah. chad um i've been friends with him for a long time and um he is a very talented uh author mm -hmm. uh, who writes under a pseudonym and um I knew that if I if I ever were going to tell a story with someone in a cooperative sort of way, that um, I would want to do it with him. And I knew that because I'm as open as I am to this stuff now, I could it could easily be taken as like, oh, he'll run with anything, you know, any little thing. And so um, yeah, I brought chat along to basically play the uh the scully to my molder um <laughs> to, uh, because i wanted i wanted his perspective if there was something that was genuinely weird that happened i wanted him to be there um right. and i think in the end uh sort of following his uh journey um made I think it made it made the film better. I um, when I got his kind of voiceover uh, lines in is when I finally felt like I had something that was good um, narratively, and um, yeah, so that's that's why I did it. I think, mm -hmm. uh, and I just wanted to hang out with him. Um, <laughs> he lives in Columbus, and I'm up here in near Akron now. Yeah, um, but did it ever cause issue? The only issue that it ever causes is um, because I'm more like in this world, and I'm more accepting of it. I think that I am more uh, sensitive to, which also probably means that there's like a when you're looking at synchronicities and the way that that plays out, um, there's a certain like signal to noise ratio, mm -hmm. and if you're tuned high to pick up all the signals, you're getting some noise. Because I view it all as connected, when mm -hmm. I go out and dive into something weird, um, I am sort of looking for the, the synchronicities that, that pop up. And mm -hmm. because I'm kind of tuned that way, there's like a signal to noise ratio thing that happens where, um, when you're looking for stuff, admittedly, you're going to pick up stuff that's not necessarily signal, you know? Right. Um, right. And so, yeah, the, there's the issues would only be that I would see something. There's a joke in the teaser that's we ran across when we were shooting the teaser. We ran across uh, something that said Wolf Oak without intending to be there. And um <laughs> like if I was only slightly more stitious, I would say that that's a synchronicity and that's a joke. I'm not like yeah. the dial is not turned that sensitive, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, that is the sort of thing where I might detect something and, and say to Chad, you know, did you notice this person said this thing? And uh, actually what, like an example of that, is uh dolores who we interviewed in the thing we talked mm -hmm. to her for like i don't know like five hours a long time yeah and, um one of the stories that she told did not um didn't have any reference to what we were doing but mm -hmm. synchronicity works this way it's like personal but um have you have you seen dark caller Are you there? Did I lose you? Yeah, it went, it went, but I think you're back. If you can oh. hear me fine. Yeah, I can hear you. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. No, it's not your fault. Okay. Did, uh, have you, so seen you 
And you talked to Dolores for like five hours and then she told you a story that had nothing to do with everything else. Yeah, it had nothing to do with what we were doing. But yeah. um, have you seen Dark Holler? I have not seen Dark Holler, no. Which, by the way, it, tell everybody where they can see this. Oh, uh, it's on YouTube right now. Okay. Or if you want to rent it, um, darkhollerfilm.com. You can rent it in 4K with no ads. And okay. on YouTube, it's got ads, obviously. Um, awesome. Anyway, th there's a, a thing that happens there with... Um, and I don't recommend doing this and I won't do it again, but we used the secret cipher of the Euphonauts with some of the stuff that mm -hmm. came up. And um, one of the phrases that came back was hold bear. And um, I made a joke about it. And then later in the week, something turned up that was like smacking me over the head with that phrase. Um, and it was a really strange thing, but hold bear became sort of a joke among um the guys that worked on dark holler as like uh it's like keep your stuff together is yeah. the is the essence of hold bear um so anyway dolores ended up telling a story and it was like a long sort of rambling tale about how she had had a dream finally it sort of ended with she had had this dream of um holding this bear and it didn't mean anything to anybody else but i was like that's weird. And I asked her um, after she told the story, I said, if I had said the phrase hold bear to you prior to you telling it, what would you think of? And she was like, oh, I would have thought of that because I held the bear. So, so, I mean, there's stuff like that where, okay, is that a genuine uh, synchronicity or is that just, you know, the dial, my dials turned all the way up? Um, okay. I don't know. I'm not going to say one way or the other, but it struck me as weird at the time. But that's the sort of mm -hmm. thing that would be like rolling his eyes out. so yeah gotcha gotcha well, are there go correct, ahead possibly rightly to roll his eyes at it <laughs> i don't know i don't know um so you did uh werewolves on earth and let's say let's say that that is a continual thing you do you you look into more werewolf stories from here on out but let's say you have the option to look into any other cryptid or entity while on a spiritual path. What cryptid or entity would that be? Well, so we actually have um, plans of, there is a motif of the horned river, uh, horned river serpent that is, um worshipped or was worshipped by the earliest um civilization we have record of in um appalachia in west virginia and particularly oddly in the same town where a lot of the strangeness happened with dark holler um that serpent has uh sort of particular um markings um that that make it stand out among others um and we ended up finding one of what we think are probably three uh ridgetop effigy serpent mounds um that must date i don't know uh probably 1500 plus years and i would guess that's like a a young date uh because it predates the shawnee um and I think that we have, um, again, somewhat synchronistic and personal reasons to think that um, that's kind of the direction that we should go um, after uh, Dark Holler. Um, there's connections there that would take a long time to explain. I don't know if that counts as cryptid, but I do know, like, there are reports of actual literal horn. Serp, like horned river serpents mm -hmm. uh, as well as it being a sort of like you know demigod kind of thing um so that's one i think uh i would really like to dive into the werewolf thing next time um with i may bring along uh there's a guy named uh richie brock who's a paranormal was a paranormal investigator for like 15 years 
mm-hmm. um, who appears in Dark Holler and had a lot of uh, like consulting done behind the scenes. I started asking him about stuff uh, actually when I encountered Ray Boucher and I was like, is this idea that the aliens are actually spiritual beings, you know, is this crazy? And he was like, no, everyone understands that. So, oh, I was like, okay. Um, But anyway, yeah, I I think uh, we may try to get some actual paranormal investigation done in places where these things have been seen. And I think that could be interesting. we got, we didn't really do that this time. Um, I'd thought about it, but I think we may on the next one. It seems like that's kind of the direction that everyone's, everyone's thinking. So, yeah, that's awesome. Well, <clears throat> at the end of every episode, I always ask my guests to tell me a story. And you have been telling me stories, but <clears throat> I wanted to frame it as such of, uh, perhaps a story that has always caught your attention, maybe even since you were little, that you would share with somebody who's just getting into the world of the weird. What story could you tell me? Hmm. I'm trying to think. And it doesn't have to be cryptid either, as far as that goes. Um, It could be paranormal. It could be anything odd. This is difficult, (laughs) Heather. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right. So... um, we were spending time on this property that's next to uh, Skinwalker Ranch. Mm-hmm. And um, we could actually see down to, we could see the building that's in the show, um, although it was, you know, miles away because mm-hmm. uh, it's a big ranch. And we could see the Mesa where all, and, um, we had been speaking with uh, a couple of Ute uh, tribe members um, about a trackway that we had found. And the trackway that we found the first day seemed to turn from um, human footprints into horse footprints. I don't, there's no other real way to describe it. That's what it seemed to be. And it, it must've been during a rainstorm because the, they were deep impressions. Uh, even the human footprints were, were quite deep. So we had uh, found that the first day and we had started a campfire and uh, Tony and I were gonna go put out uh, trail cameras on that trackway. And so we went and we set out one trail camera and then we went and we set the second And when we set the second, we had to get to a tree that we had not walked to during the day. And he started setting the trail camera and I turned around and uh, at the base of this tree that if you were to look at the property, you would say that is like the fairy tree. It is the, like the sole tree left in the, in the field. Um, At the base of it, I saw what looked like uh, like remains of a deer, like deer bones. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that strange because walking the property that day, we had seen piles of deer bones sort of all over the place, um, not really scattered out, but like quite a bit. And I guess just be- by virtue of the high desert, it doesn't uh, decay. Mm-hmm. So that's what I thought it was until I got closer and I realized that it was a deliberately staged um, altar or uh, circle of some sort that was created out of three uh, deer skulls, um, several jaw bones and some vertebrae and some other assorted bones. There was a, um, a bowl of tobacco in the middle, some crystals, some coins, um, the crystals were on the north side of the 
it doesn't matter. The, uh, I took note of all this at the time because I thought it, yeah. it would matter. Um, anyway, I saw that and uh, Tony had called, sort of looked over his shoulder and seen the bones. And I guess he thought it was one of those piles of remains as well. And he asked me, is that what I think it is? And me thinking that he knew full well what it was, I said, yes. Um, but when he got down from the tree and walked over and saw what it was, he was like, oh, we were both kind of, um, that's one of like two places that I've had that feeling people talk about of being watched, um, mm -hmm. very distinctly had that feeling. And, uh, so I took a couple of pictures of it on my phone to go show the others. And as we walked back up to the campfire, which was only maybe 150 yards, um, from where this altar was placed, um, we talked about uh, how we both felt as if we were being watched. And so we stopped on the way back and we prayed and then we continued. And when we got back to the campfire without saying anything or doing anything, um, one of the, the U, uh, tribe members that was hanging out with us that night, his name was Bo. And he, uh, he looked at us as we walked back to the campfire and he says, um, you're being watched. And so, um, and he sort of looks like out into the dark beyond us, um, as we walk back and say, why do you say that? Um, cause we found this and we start passing the picture from my phone around the circle. Yeah. Um, which everyone is, you know, slightly disturbed. Um, but about the time that it gets around everybody, the last person gets it, actually. The last person in the circle starts looking at it. And it isn't maybe 15 seconds or so after they start looking at it that uh, someone else notices that across the way on the mesa where all the lights happen, there are lights shooting up into the sky, like as if someone's got like spotlights over there shooting them yeah. straight up. Um, and then that kicked off what was probably an hour maybe of uh, like a fairy lights show down in like down in that valley. And then mm -hmm. also uh, overhead, we would look up and we would see um, a lot of a bunch of lights moving around uh, different colors. They would move uh, on and off arrhythmically, like not in rhythm and uh, moving somewhat erratically, particularly the ones in the sky. Um, yeah, and then it just sort of died out after a while and we fell asleep at like, I don't know, it must've been late, like two or something. Um, and I remember that night uh, I was sleeping and I probably woke up, it was still dark, so it must've been three, four, um, and I didn't have my glasses on or contacts in, so this could have been anything, but I got the distinct impression that like over the top of the tent was mesh mm -hmm. and, um, what seemed like, I don't know how far away it was, but it seemed like, like a basketball shaped thing as if someone mm -hmm. had thrown a glowing basketball kind of in slow motion over the tent. Um, wow. and I didn't have a camera or anything, you know, I just, I had just woken up, um, so yeah, it seemed to us kind of as if our attention on that altar had possibly had some kind of causal effect on the other stuff. And you hear about, um, you know, when new people show up to the ranch, it does things. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and none of the other nights uh, matched that kind of, that crazy first one. So yeah. I don't know that um, that's another one of like uh, tent pole weird experiences, I guess for me is, uh, is that one. I've thought a lot about it. Like um, any other similar to the, the flooded bathroom. Like I've thought a lot about like, is there any other thing that could have been happening there? Um, but yeah. yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. That's a good story. I like it. <laughs> I couldn't think of one that, uh, yeah, I couldn't think of, I was going to try and tell you a fictional story, but I couldn't think of one. <laughs> That's all right. <clears throat> I like that one better, better than fiction. Um, 
Awesome. Well, I'm thankful for your time. Yeah, can of course. You please, yay. Can you please tell our listeners where they can find you, follow along with you and all of your projects? Yeah. So my Instagram handle is probably the thing I'm, I'm not super active on social media, but uh, it's dark holler at dark holler film. Um, and I think it's, I'm on Facebook too, the same handle and YouTube at dark holler. And yeah, but I, I don't really don't keep up on social media a ton. Um, mm -hmm. I mostly want, I don't want to, I'm not super interested in like being a personality. I kind of want the, the projects that I put out to do the talking is despite how much I've talked here. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, that's where, that's where they can, can find me. I think um, if you want to like interact with a bunch of uh, people that are into the weird and um, but simultaneously like come at it from, um, from the Christian worldview, the sword and staff, uh, podcast and we have a discord that I'm probably more active on than I am any other social media thing. Um, we're all a bunch of weirdos over there. So, um, that's a fun place to hang out. Awesome. Awesome. And of course, everybody can follow along a small town monsters. Um, and they can check out werewolves on earth, which you should have done before listening to this. And if not, hopefully you immediately go over and watch werewolves on earth. Um, so thank you again for joining me and uh until next time guys the lore you know is presented by the small town monsters broadcasting network you can find out more about this and other network shows as well as small town monsters films books our upcoming kickstarter campaign and much more at smalltownmonsters.com if you enjoyed this show consider giving it a like rating review or sharing it with a friend and be sure to tune in next time for another episode of the lore you know